1: This week, Kate and I are discussing a paper, which is a little bit different concept, but um, it ends up, I think you guys will enjoy this. The name of the paper is Horse as Teacher, How Human-Horse Interaction Informs Human-Robot Interaction. It's by Ikta Jain from the University of Florida, and Christina Gardner-McCoon from the University of Florida. Now those two are both uh, roboticists. So um, it's an interesting paper because as AI and robots um, enter our lives and workplaces, they kind of become companions and teammates. So there's been a lot of research done on how to interact with robots teach robots, and improve their performance, there's an open frontier for human-computer interaction Uh and human-robotic interaction research. So um, this paper, at first I thought I didn't like it, and I'm the one that picked it out. But (laughs) the second time I read it, it all kind of came together. And there are many studies that explore the early stages of human-robot interaction, and uh, it is an emerging area of research. But now they're beginning to look at human-horse interaction through the lens of human robot interaction. So they're connecting these two areas. And it's mainly because of the huge relationship humans um, have with their horses. So Kate, what were your thoughts on this paper? Did, were you kind of like me that the first time through, it was just too weird?
0: Yeah, I couldn't really wrap my brain around um, some of it. And I think it, we come from a place where we don't read um, research from roboticists, (laughs) not regularly. So what I thought was interesting from that point of view was it was kind of nice to be thrown out of our comfort zones because we're so used at this stage to reading equine research that this kind of at times felt like a concept I couldn't grasp. And I thought that kind of made me feel, again, like what it must feel like you know cemented the reason why we do the podcast because that is what it must feel like for some people reading these papers where you're like wait what like some of the jargon is just not something you would encounter before so I kind of I mean I didn't enjoy that feeling but I liked how it kind of put us in someone else's shoes from that point of view but I did find some of it some of the concepts really hard to wrap my head around. And it wasn't until I got to the end of the paper. And as you said, then I was like, oh, wait a minute. and went through it again and saw particularly the tables of how they did use the horses. And I think the tables kind of describe it well. Um, One of the final tables actually is my favorite. And it made sense because I couldn't really understand how you could look at human horse interaction through the lens of human robotic interaction. But when they talk about, I think at one point they were saying like a ridden horse. When you're on foot walking that horse, it's going to mimic your pace and it's going to take your cues. And even applying something like that, they can apply that to robots that could be used. And when we say workplace, like that might be in a warehouse, but that it can it can take that information and it can mimic pace and take cues to move out of the way which is really interesting and really applicable. So as you kind of get into the little details of it, it's really fascinating. And I think really interesting that they use horses because we do have a very unique bond with horses. Like they mentioned in this paper, dogs, you know, aren't going to mimic that the same way. and um, Because they say in this paper, we essentially use horses like an exoskeleton when we ride them you know they're like an extension of our body and in some instances using these robotics or these machines will be to the same degree where it's you know allowing you to move heavy weights or to do something that you wouldn't have been able to do on your own and um, so I think the more you dive into it the more you can kind of I guess almost nerd out on it of how it is applicable and I just think it was kind of a nice nod to the work horses have done in society and history as essentially working horses and you know horses in war and horses for mounted police units and you know the roles that they've played are so applicable
1: i think so too and just the interaction and the relationship and the attachment bonds that we have with our horses would improve such as an AI robotic that maybe was given the job of caring or being a guide for a cognitive impaired elderly person. And, you know, that would teach that robot, um, you know, respect and kind of give it a personality because they talk about um, debugging when things don't come out right in their programming and then resetting that robot's emotional component and then uh, it makes it a better co-worker or co in whatever job you we end up putting that robot in that first that just that was one thing I just couldn't wrap my head around at first is oh my god they're turning these into almost people but they're really not they're just programming them I think to do their job better and to be more um, respected by that elderly person and I was amazed if they had um, what dogs and birds and um, robots that they give to these elderly people to um, make them feel like they have a companion. And I guess I never really had thought of that before.
0: Yeah, I'd never heard of that, and particularly the birds for some reason, because when they mentioned the dogs, I thought, well, I feel like that was something that was coming. I remember as a kid, one Christmas, getting one of those little fake dogs that like barked and <laughs> did back flips for some reason because that's clearly a dog behavior. <laughs> but um I thought, you know, like it's probably as old as time that we've sought that companionship in an easier way where it's not been possible to actually have animals. Uh, but that, yeah, that, I thought that was really cool that they had made these robots for companionship. And I know it's, it's kind of like a scary Topic, I guess, for some people. Like, I find it a little bit overwhelming sometimes when I'm thinking about the vast capabilities of AI and, you know, what that actually means for the future, or how that can be responsibly implemented. But I think they talk about in this as well, like, the first gap that they noticed when it comes to human robot interactions is in the early stages, how to build what they call a working relationship between humans and robots. And again, it's kind of this terminology that very much humanizes it. But as you said, Nancy, that's not really what they're saying. And that's kind of us having to wrap our heads around this kind of scientific writing where they're saying like building that trust and using that robot, which for other terms is a machine. Yeah. Um it's a more advanced machine and building that trust for people to use it and being able to test that as well, which is really interesting. And to use a model like a horse who is such a highly in tuned companion animal, um, I think it's just gonna have many benefits.
1: Yeah, and then you know, I also thought um when they talked about trust between horses and humans, and how they can take the trust that, say, a woman has in getting on her horse and riding that horse, especially if they've had a long-term bond, how that trust can be programmed into a robot or an AI system and have it work in a relationship with humans, or elderly, or wherever that robot's being placed. And I thought, once again, here we go. We had the horse um, help us through history, as you said, Kate. And for us in the United States, it helped us develop the Western part of the country. And now here the horse is helping us develop the future for this artificial intelligence. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people are fearful of it, like they can see, you know, in their mind, robots taking over the world or whatever. But I heard a speaker um, say that AI is a lot like fire. We can use fire to cook things, to heat us, but then fire can also do damage. And so, you know, forest fires, so to speak. So we have to look at the technology and how it can benefit us instead of what might go wrong. And then, of course, the safeguard, what might go wrong. So um, it was, I think that is the scary part. I mean, remember when we did the paper or the episode on the Metron hoof, which had like oh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of neural networks. Yeah. And remember, programmed into it. And it can take a radiograph of a horse's hoof and then a picture of the trim and then the picture of the current trim. And then it can program into the future what that horse's hoof will eventually look like receiving that trim every six weeks so that is kind of like uh, you know what i would t- think would be beneficial i'd love that metron hoof i would love to have one just to see where i'm going oh, it'd be incredible you know and but anyway um that's the scary part i think when people look at what could go wrong and just Um, highlight that point. But I tell you, reading this paper, I was not aware of all the jobs we give robots right now. And Amazon is a big part of it. You know, the robot comes to the worker and gives the products and then the worker sorts them in the right boxes and all that. And they want to be able to program the robot to respectfully be able to remind the worker you might be packing that wrong, it might not make it to the destination in one piece. Once I understood that, I was like, okay, now I see where they're going with this.
0: Yeah, and I think it is something that probably feels like it's moving a lot faster. Whereas I always think about how we've come with technology as it is. You know, from having no phones to having switchboard phones to connect calls to being able to have mobile phones. And there is an evolution in technology and in the way that we do a lot of things that is a bit scary because it does, we do see that, I suppose, some areas or aspects can become outdated like when i think about my nana worked in a switch call center where she to plug in the leads to transfer the calls and i always think like there came a point where that wasn't necessary anymore and that must have been really worrying and terrifying so i think we're probably still off the back of that like you know that change and as humans i think we're a little bit avoidant to change as it is yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it can it can be like this big thing, but there there are so many ways that we are utilizing technology and we are utilizing AI abilities, and you know they make a big difference to people's lives and they can make a big difference to in informing people when they're used correctly. I did like about this paper though; they talked about their limitations, and they talked about the paradigm bias, um, and I just I love that they actually thought about this concept. You know, their study and activities are based in the Euro-American tradition of the human horse interaction. So concepts such as respect and the place a horse occupies in the human horse team, in the work context and in the family, which is the companionship context. These are a product of the world view of the humans that are involved, so this does change, and horses do play different roles in each country, so they are saying they're looking at it from one point of view, um, but it did actually make me think about some other areas that we might look into research and look about traditions, I suppose, um, of native horses and how they're used and what role they play, so that kind of got my mind taking over for our next podcast or a potential future one
1: yeah um, they you know I thought too along that those lines is these two authors were non-horse people so the one ended up um, taking lessons and learning about horses at a training facility and then they both observed trainers in training at a training facility. So they watched people that had been involved with horses learn new concepts. And then they also, the first author, she went ahead and she took lessons on everything she could about horses. So that kind of gave her not only observation points, but also participation points that she was actually doing these things with the horses in order to make her a better programmer um, and realizing when a robot needed to be debugged or started over with. So um, I thought, too, one of my favorite things was the horse language is body language, so realizing that they could program a a robot to read human body language I thought that was pretty good because it's not always verbal
0: and they did mention as well actually how we can use these technologies in the stable which I thought was cool but they said like they didn't go too much in depth into that because they said in those cases the horse isn't informing the technology so That's not the remit of their paper, but they were talking about using um, systems for behavior monitoring of horses and to create alerts for behavior monitoring. So, again, another area that's really interesting that might be able to play a role in a future podcast that we do.
1: And then also my last point was, it was almost too much for me at the very end when they talked about the ethics of robot abuse. And at first I was like, what, these are machines. But they kind of raised the question of if programming emotion or have a responsibility for the results of that robot having those emotions so that's a whole other area right there that that one I still don't really have my head wrapped around
0: (laughs) (laughs) that one's a little bit further into the robotics
1: that one's a little bit but I can see what they're getting at but still you know I still think that um You know, using horses as the foundation for the interaction and relationships and attachment bonds, establishing those is probably the main subject matter of this paper.
0: Yeah, and a really interesting paper really got me thinking. And as I said, I loved kind of, well, love to hate being put out of my comfort
1: zone. (laughs) So (laughs) I really appreciated that, though, being able to look at this from another angle. Well, and um, Kate, if you don't have anything else to add, I'm, that was my last point about the um, ethics of it all. Um, I do. We do have a um, response from the massage um, episode where I kind of gave the results of the massage therapy on four of my horses, and um, I had Summer Hudson respond on the anchor homepage. And she said, I'm a sports massage therapist and found better range of motion and uh, some better muscle growth and less chiropractic care needed. So we wanna thank her for that because that's kind of exactly what I found with it. Uh, We also had um, a person ask how we did the massage. And um, on my Instagram page, Nancy underscore McLean seven, I have the chart on each one of the massage techniques and uh, what muscles those were done on. And it was two minutes of each one. And that's listed on the chart. So I reposted that. Uh, so you can kind of get a flow of how that research was written. And then also um, it's in the uh, abstract of that paper. And if you can, you may be able to, abs- um, I guess, access that. And on the
0: massage technique update that we had posted, um, Nancy does talk through, again, those techniques. Um, so if you have a listen back to... The update and YouTube, the techniques as she's talking through them, you should be able to get some videos to accompany that.
1: And I did post a video of Angel in his stall on Instagram, just as happy as can be. The fans are on because it was like 100 degrees during that um, three-week massage um, therapy. And so um, that's the only bad thing, the background noise. But it can pretty much you can see how relaxed he is. So it's been absolutely amazing. And what a difference. I mean, you
0: know how that uh, summer was it that wrote in about the the benefits of it. I always think that when I think about chiropractics, like it has a place, but you need the muscles to support the skeleton as well. And you can kind of pull bones and manipulate them back into their position But if you don't do the work on the muscle, it's just going to pull them back out of alignment
1: again. So it is it's such a crucial thing but just so fascinating yeah and thank you Kate that's I never thought of that before with the chiropractic um, what its purpose would be for and so that's a good point and uh, anyway well thanks so much everyone thanks Kate for joining in it's good to have you join in and uh, we'll see everyone next week thanks Nancy take care thank you bye-bye